Welcome everyone to another episode of the Rodcast. We've been talking about the fivefold gifts of ministry, and today we're talking about the gift of evangelism. So, Pastor Rod, do you want to give us an overview of what this gift is? Um, I guess we think of someone who reaches out, uh, sharing the good news of Jesus, and that's what it really does mean. It is a person who carries good news. And it seems to be a specially gifted person in that ability to share good news, whether it's with um, people who don't know the Lord or away from God. There's a special anointing or gifting on them to to understand and to share and even see results of people saying they would like to receive Jesus as a result of conversations with this, these people, men and women. And um, we, we love this gift. We need this gift very much for people with this gift often are interested in how do we reach new people? How do we show compassion on people? How do we like these are the these are the people of our church that probably have this gift. Um, they like sharing online. They like using text. They like that, but they like sharing good news, and that's exactly what the word means. A person, it's a noun word. It's a person who carries the good news. Just just carries it wherever they are, and I think that means as a lot of people will have this gift. If we just mm-hmm. think about an evangelist, someone who comes in and does a speaking crusade, then we've limited this gift to very, very few people. But as we realize um, these gifts found in in Ephesians 4, says when Jesus rose from the dead, he sprayed these gifts, these five gifts over the people. I, I think it means a lot of people have this, this, this love to carry good news. Now, I think we're all supposed to carry good news, but these people seem to be especially fruitful and also fruitful in encouraging others to accompany them on the task of reaching, of having good news. But again, New Testament evangelist, to me, is someone who's carrying this, carrying this great message that, that Jesus is the Christ. He is the one. He rose from the dead, and they're carrying this message very easily on their hearts and maybe even looking for opportunities to be able to share when it's appropriate uh, to do that. Now, this word evangelism is the New Testament word to share good news. That is used hundreds of times. But when it's used as a noun of a group, it's very, very few times. It's only used three times, but each time is a picture. Um, One is here in Ephesians 4 where this is a gifting. Another one is a guy called Philip. Um, who is now called Philip the Evangelist, and it actually does use that sort of name of him in Acts 21.8. It says, um, in the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. So we know his story from Acts chapter 8, where he, in one day it looks like he met a lot of people sharing Jesus. One of them was a man from Ethiopia, um, uh, an African man who had gone to Jerusalem was obviously a Jew, was what they called a eunuch. We don't really know what that means, actually. But um, he was in the royal court of the Queen of Ethiopia. Um, it's called Philip and the Eunuch Story. And um, he comes, he jumps onto the guy's chariot, must have been driving very slowly. <laughs> he jumps on and, 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 and the man is having the eunuch, the, we don't know his name, the, the, the Ethiopian eunuch, says, I'm reading this scripture from Isaiah 53. Do you know what it means? And Philip says, yes, I do. Let me take you right from there, and I'll share with you about Jesus and his resurrection. And that eunuch gets saved, baptized in water, returns to Ethiopia, and then history, not the Bible, but history says Ethiopia receives the Lord. 
It's one of the first countries to receive the Lord after the resurrection. And it was all because of Philip jumping on his chariot <laughs> and saying, what are you reading? Let me, let me help you. Can I help you uh, understand this Jesus? Um, that's probably a, a very extreme evangelism gift, um, but it's encouraging because it's also a very normal story um, of just sharing with someone about the Bible. And I think that should give us all encouragement that there are evangelists in all of our churches and we need to help, encourage, and release these people into their works of service. This gift, I think, is also found in giftings in the workplace. These are people that are probably salespeople or marketing or service-related people. They're out trying to fix the machine and, and, and helping people understand. And they're very um, usually extrovert, but not always. I've met some people that were quite introverted, but then when they're sharing, it's like, wow, um, they just became so anointed. So it's, it's, it's a picture of a person that we've all got in our churches, and we need to help them uh, help the church into reaching people for Jesus. Now, evangelism is something that obviously we're all called to do as Christians. Like it's a kind of a function of the Christian life. But there's also times in the Bible, like where Paul, I think he said to Timothy, like do the work of an evangelist. Yeah. So how, how is this kind of, how is it different? Like, I guess this gift versus yeah. doing the work, maybe when you're not gifted or mm. can you speak to that? Yeah. You're talking to two Timothy four, five, which that was, that's the third time in the new Testament, this word is used. So okay. Ephesians four, Acts 21 and 2 Timothy 4, 5, where Paul writing says, but you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations, enjoy hardship, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the works of your ministry. So Paul is talking to a successful pastor of the Ephesian church. The Ephesian church by this time is large and growing. And I think we just need to keep that in in, in perspective that, that probably Timothy was doing the work of evangelists early on. And maybe in, in the excitement of growth, he had left evangelism behind and, and moved more towards preaching and teaching, which he should have. But Paul is saying, don't, don't, don't leave behind this evangelism. So we've got to see the context that there's no question that Timothy was part of evangelism, but that this new phase of his life, he'd left it behind. And Paul's saying to him, don't ever leave behind the concept that we're supposed to reach people, Timothy. Um, I would say when I'm teaching the people today, I'd say to them, if the love of God means anything, it, it means that there's always room for one more. That's basically saying, do the work of an evangelist. No matter who you are and what your gifting is, surely there's room for another person. Surely we can reach out to someone. Surely we can have a heart to be able to share. So I think that's what it's saying I don't think it's saying go out and change your ministry model. Um, I think it's saying, Timothy, as the pastor of the church, don't ever lose your passion for evangelism and, and don't ever lose the passion for reaching this great city with, for more people for Jesus Christ. So I think that's what he's saying. I don't think he's saying stop being a pastor and start being an evangelist. Mm. I think he's saying don't ever lose the heart for another person. So I think it's that simple. Really. And that's the same for us. We might say, well, I'm not an evangelist, 
It's not my gift. And the scriptures would say, yeah, but there's room for more people. There's always room for more people getting saved, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No matter, even the most, um, like, uh, on a scale of evangelist, you sort of, let someone, someone who's a one, they're not really that outgoing or that the word for you is, hey, there's, there's still room to reach one more. That There's still face outwards and see how God will use you this year. And that's, as you know, Richard, that's what we're saying in Lifehouse Churches is let's all, now that we're strong and we love each other, let's, let's face outwards again and see who's there. And that's where we're starting to talk about this thing called awakening, where we're discovering many, many people actually want to hear the gospel. Um, and I guess it's important for this discussion to say, you know, if people have had bad experiences of people not being interested in Jesus, maybe this is a new season after COVID to try again. But that's that's a different challenge, maybe. Yeah, we never know someone's heart and it can change, can't it? I mean, your story yeah. always sticks with me of saying, of your friends asking you to go to church and you saying no, and then the next week saying yes, like one week difference. Yeah. And, and the fact that this is when I was 19, but the fact that my friends asked me again, because the first time they asked me, I said no, and I yelled at, I yelled at them. You'd think they'd be scared, but we were friends. And the next week they said, so do you want to go to church? I said, yeah, because I say a lot can happen in a week in the life of a non-Christian. Mm-hmm. That's my conclusion to my own story. A lot can happen between the time you ask them now and the time you ask them in a month or when Christmas comes or when Easter comes or when, when something comes. And we think, should I ask them again? Well, I would encourage you, if it's on your heart, just put a text out. And no response on a text doesn't mean you did something wrong. It just means they're not coming. So it means you can, I don't know, Christmas or something, just text them again if you feel burdened. I think text is God's gift to, to sharing the good news today. Well, you know, messaging apps. And... Um, I, I really do. I think it's the easiest way to do evangelism because you, as long as you're not expecting a reply, it's okay. Just, hey, we got this on. You want to come? No answer. Or often people will say, no, I'm busy. But, but hey, they answered really nicely, which means you can ask them again. Um, I know here in Japan, a lot of people are asked to come and join us for some little sports thing, you know, futsal or basketball, and people don't respond. But next month you ask them, they say, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, it's, it's the same as me. Uh, one week, no. Next week, okay. Um, so don't give up. Yeah. Yeah, I had a, a guy in our church. He, he uh, he's invited me to play basketball a few times. And uh, I've, I've said no a bunch of times just because my work schedule or whatever, family stuff. Mm. But I said to him, like, keep keep inviting me. Like, I'm going to say yes yeah. to one of these. I just, my schedule hasn't allowed it for it. And I think that that's oftentimes why someone mm. doesn't come to church. It's just yeah. their, their life hasn't lined up with it yet. And maybe it's not a priority to them. Yeah. Um, but they appreciate mm. an invite. I think I most think people so. appreciate an invite. Absolutely. As long as you're not a a stalker or a hassler, you just mm-hmm. just being a friend. Yeah, hey, I, I most I think almost everyone appreciates a nice text. Yeah, or it could be what a phone think, call. Yeah. What do you think happens when this kind of edge is lost in a church or in a small group? This evangelistic edge. Yeah, 
I, I think it can be lost quite easily because in our Christian lives we need fellowship, community. We, especially if we're married with kids, we need we need some stability. We need some friendship, and I, I get all of that. I'm a pastor, but it can become just about us. And I think what we need to do is is to unsettle that with some constructive, happy options. So we talked about basketball. We talked about futsal. Talk about could talk about barbecue. Could about Christmas events. So an event is a chance for us to say to people, hey, why don't you just ask again? And I think that most people are open to that. But there are some groups that become close to that. And I think that's where Paul would say, no, no, you've got to do the work of sharing good news again. Um, And I think that a a small group that stays the same for for years um, comes into – I love small groups and I've just seen this. Small groups that stay the same too long become ingrown and either they'll just stay like that forever or actually there'll be a blow up. And I don't mean like people hurt, but it'll just be an end because it's just too much the same too long. And I just think we need to challenge people that, that new new people brings life back. You know, a new, a new person in a connect group brings life back. A new person in a church brings life back. A new person in a Bible study makes it interesting again. <laughs> a new person looking interested in a church service affects their whole row. The impact of a seeker, the impact of a new person ca- brings life. And I just think we need to say that to people. You won't lose your friendships, but you'll add some, you know, spice back into the recipe, you know, like um, something good's going to happen as you reach out to new people. I just think we have to nicely challenge people but give options because most people will say well i don't have any non-christian friends that that's a very common answer from people who've been christians for a while i just don't have any non-christian friends close enough and that's why we put on basketball that's why we put on you know here in japan karaoke you get a non-christian in a karaoke thing singing some silly song and everyone's laughing and falling on the ground here in japan literally like slapping and falling you've just made a friend within half an hour if they can just come and sing that silly old song with you um so that's that's an option and and again karaoke rooms here are not dark evil places they're just they're just places to hang out and sing a song so um some event just putting on events where someone turns up is new is is exciting but let me say again a new person in any group with a good heart, a hunger, will change that group for good. I'm sure I'm going to ask you in a minute for some examples, but just just this week we heard about one of our Japanese guys connect groups for more people in the 30s and 40s. And a new guy just got saved in our church last December, so let's say six months ago, Um, a, a, a business guy. Life is totally, radically changed by Jesus and his whole family are rejoicing and um, in Connect Group, that one man is constantly sharing what he read in the Bible and what God is doing, and it's revived the whole group. One new soul coming in with fresh word and just, I just love where Jesus says this, or it actually brings spice to the recipe. It brings flavor. You know, Jesus talks about don't lose your saltiness, right? Because it's, it's, it's exactly that. Have we lost our saltiness in a group? We need to get 
some salt back in there. <laughs> um, so that's an example. Just from this week, I heard, and I'm hearing that with multiple small groups in, in Lifehouse, one person coming in with hunger or with questions or with something strange can change a whole group. Mm-hmm. So that's why I would say to groups, you need to have room for one more, a seeker or a new person. Yeah, I feel like it's it's almost like that that imagery of uh, water where flowing water is kind of fresh and whereas water that just doesn't have any fresh water coming in, it kind of becomes stagnant. I feel like that does happen within small groups and within churches as well. Yeah. And that that the evangelistic function, if it's not really operating in a church, it uh, other things start to happen. Uh, maybe fascination with, I don't know, different theologies and, you sure. know, it kind of moves to something else and uh, it loses yeah. a bit of health there. Mm. Have you found that to be the case? Because that's been my experience. Yeah, yeah. No, that, you're talking about a, a biblical concept of a river. The kingdom of God is, is, is in the Old Testament likened to a river or a moving water. And still water, I mean, some still water is very nice, but some of it gets a bit murky and um, it needs an inflow, an inflow of new life. And yeah, a new, a new bit of life in there and boom, uh, all of a sudden we're back in life, you know. And um, that's why I talk about if we can help people organize events and, and, and events, I say, low impact, low cost. Mm-hmm. Like low organization. Events at a very high level, you can only do a few a year. Yeah. But low, like, hey, let's go play basketball with that team over there on Saturday. Like that's low, low organization. If, if no one comes, there's, there's low level of failure. Like who cares? Well, I guess we care, but you know what I mean? Like that's okay. Yeah. Let's do it again. As long as we're lowering this bar all the time um, and then we have some big events that are very – popular maybe food events or i don't know but i just think we as pastors need to create an environment where the evangelist can can yeah. rise and lift uh we had one uh, an event the other day i heard in our, our tokyo campus for uh, we have a new group which is basically over 35 year old not singles necessarily it's, it's a mix but one new christian girl um uh, she brought eight eight people and, and so wow. someone asked, oh, were they all part of a sports team or something? And, and, and the answer was, no, she's, every one of the eight she brought is from a different part of her life, like work or sport or a study or like this, this person is an evangelist. Like that's, that's pretty crazy. But then the evangelist needs other people to get around and befriend those eight people because she can't mm-hmm. spend quality time with eight people at an event. And the mm-hmm. team got together and talked and laughed and I – I just heard such good reports of that. Um, and you just think that that truly is an evangelist that has different parts of their life. Um, but, but what that person needs is the church to help an event, create an event where there's a, a bridge to a church thing. Um, you know, we've, another example is in our Bali church. As you know, we have so many um, events creating, uh, we're, we're educating people and we're, um, helping people with, you know, skills. Um, and then a lot of them are actually coming to church and then a lot are getting saved. Um, but, but the fringe of the church is so large. You know, I, I think our church in Bali would be, 
if you include all children, you know, would be one size, but the fringe, the, the reach is at least double that size. Yeah. And all that fringe love our church. We've added value. And I just yeah. think it's going to take some evangelists and others to just invite to this. And, and some people say no, and that's absolutely fine. But there's a lot of people that say, oh, what is this Jesus? Um, I'd like to know more about that. And I think right now we're seeing what we call an awakening where all of a sudden there are people just asking questions about God. Um, this week I heard about in our church in um, Fukuoka, uh, a young man from another city an hour away, a Japanese man, a young man who didn't speak very good English, um, just woke up and I think he must have seen something on, on YouTube and, and something about Jesus and he started, uh, you know, you know, researching and then he tried to get a Bible and all he could find, I guess he, I guess he ordered it, I don't know, was an English Bible. He's Japanese, young guy, doesn't speak English. He starts reading the English Bible. He did it for a year. Like, wow. he would have learned a lot of English too, I guess, uh, along the way. But all of a sudden, he's, he says, I've got to go to, I've got to, go to church. He Googled again and found us in Fukuoka an hour away. And he, he came to our church, got saved the first day. This is just recently. And he's going to be baptized this next week. And the story started with him waking up and seeing something and saying, I want to investigate Jesus. This is happening more and more. And we need to be out facing to reach more of these randoms that are all around us right now. And I think that's why the Holy Spirit would say to all of us, do the work of an evangelist right now. Mm. But there are some people who are just going to be excellent at it. I think that there's a lot of people who don't know that they have this gift and maybe they've just got the word evangelist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They've put that up here like for those, you know, those big speakers, traveling speakers and things like that. But actually they've got a gift. We've got someone in our church who has been a Christian for a long time. Uh, she's been in our church for uh, maybe two, three years. And over the last two years, I'd say she has brought a minimum of 50 people to church. How many? And that's not an 50, wow. a minimum of 50. And wow. I, it's not an exaggeration. Like yeah. has, she'll, she'll bring five to an event often. <laughs> right. And just an, the most, the biggest bringer in our church, basically. She had, but she'd been in church for well over a decade before this and had never brought a single person to church. Wow. So what Comes changed? Comes to our church. Well, I just think she got in an environment where we're talking about new people uh, we, where we're, we're giving them a people a platform to be able to use their gift. And I think this is a, a big part of uh, kind of bouncing off what you said about our role as pastors is we have to mm. give people a place for this to happen. And it's going to look different in different seasons. Like when I was 23, we were out on the streets mm. playing music and talking to people. And we don't, we don't necessarily get our families doing that. Um, that sure. it looks very different, but we can, we can run a free play group or an English thing for kids and get a whole bunch of families there. And, mm-hmm. and those, our families can talk to those families and be, and be yeah. fantastic and be evangelistic in that way. So I think, yeah. I think when we've got something for everyone, uh, there is actually a lot more, I think, gifting there than we realize. And we've yeah. got to activate that by giving people opportunities. Yeah, creating That's those great. opportunities. I I totally agree, and I I think that we we even have to um, like 
understand in a service, in a church service, there are going to be people there at various stages and some of them need to be given an opportunity to receive Jesus. That's what we call um, an altar call or a receive Jesus call. And um, it's just a chance. It's just a moment where, is anyone here today actually would like to take this step? And we mm-hmm. we find this all the time in Lifehouse. You know, we, we're seeing a lot of people responding right across but it's it's a, it's a people have brought their friends in the hope that their friends will actually receive Jesus and they've been witnessing and and we've just got to give that chance not not pressure not hum, humiliate people publicly no 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 just somehow give a chance to receive Jesus and i think we're building that confidence at church that if you bring your friend it'll be a good experience they will enjoy it They'll have a chance to hear about Jesus and they'll have a chance to receive Jesus. I think even that will encourage people, maybe like the lady you're talking about, yeah, being in a church where you're regularly seeing people making a response and going on. There's an encouragement in that to bring people because yeah. God could touch them in that service, in that moment. And I, I remember here in, in, in Japan, I was talking to a pastor and he said, we've never seen anyone saved. He was a newer pastor. And he inherited the church from his dad. He said, we just don't see any visitors. We don't see anyone saved. And I said, well, are you praying for it? He said, well, no, because we don't see anyone. And I said, well, why don't we turn this around and start praying for pe- people to bring people? And, and you starting to, to lead that. And so we were talking for a while and he said, well, what do I do when they come? And I said, well, give a chance. Like, like. At the end of the service, say, would anyone like to receive Jesus? Can we pray with you? He said, I've never done that. I said, well, try it. He said, but no one ever comes. I said, yeah, but you're talking about believing for someone to come. And anyway, I I wasn't telling him what to do. He was asking questions. But the next Sunday, um, after talking to his church leadership, he said, I'm going to give an opportunity to receive Jesus. I just want you to know why I'm doing it, because we've got to start believing for people to come. And his elders said, sure, fine, whatever. And he's preaching next Sunday, and there's no one new, not one new person. And he's just about to come to the end, and he's thinking, I'm going to do this who wants to receive Jesus thing, and there's no one here. At that moment, two young men walk in the back door and come and sit at the back. At that moment, he's just about And so for the next few minutes, he shares about Jesus, death and resurrection, and who wants forgiveness. And both those young men put their hand up. And he, he, he rang me, and he told me, he can't, you wouldn't believe what happened. And I said, isn't it exciting? You were ready. You were ready. You were, you were gearing the church towards seeing new people and seeing people saved. But I've always said, even if there's no one there, just you're, you're, you're saying, hey, God could do a miracle. Let's believe for people to get saved. Um, but I think as pastors, like you said, we've got to train. We've also got to train ourselves to stay evangelistic and um, to think through the eyes of a visitor, to think through the eyes of a seeker, not to dumb down the gospel. In fact, we're sharpening up the gospel, actually. Um, what do I need to say? And, um, and and just presenting at the end, and who would, who would like this wonderful Jesus? And if no one responds, that pushes me that week to pray more, Lord, could we have one visitor, one person? And I'm praying that every church will have a heart for one more. I call it the ones and the twos. Could there be one or two come this week? And so moving churches back to an evangelistic expectation mm-hmm. and share with the church, hey, we're going to do this. We, we've got to have a heart for one more. 
And I think that we're going to see more people bring people in that context. Awesome. Well, what an amazing gift for the church. And it's a lot of fun as well, seeing Jesus touch people's lives. Yeah, it's great. So, uh, well, that's the end of this episode. We're going to talk about the next ministry gift in the next episode. So we will see you there. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you enjoyed today's episode with Pastor Rod, why don't you subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to this and we'll see you next time.